We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day. Three hundred and sixty-five days a year. This what is up, Green Bay Packers fans? Welcome back to another edition of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Morley. You can find me on Twitter, at Jacob Morley. And I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Ross Uglum. Ross, the people get to have us and get to hear our sultry voices every week for the month of April, I guess. It is draft season. Draft season is in full swing. And so Ross and I are going to be with you guys Every once a week, you know, until this thing's over, um, we're going to have a lot of great draft talk on today. Speaking of great draft talk, there's a lot of great draft content over at PackerReport.com right now. If you are not subscribed, make sure you're heading over there doing that or just going and checking this stuff out. Either of those things is great. Um, Ross, anything else we got going on over at PackerReport.com? We're just, you know, continuing to ramp up. If you guys have had a chance, uh, Really phenomenal stuff on all three of the major free agent signings. You can go back, look through our archives, uh, film study of Christian Kirksey, uh, two different guys taking a look at Rick Wagner, then both myself and Andy Herman break down Devin Funches. Uh, if, if you have questions about the guys at Green Bay signed, the answers are over at Packer Report. And we just keep, you know, constantly Mock Draft Monday came out uh, today, which would be yesterday when you're hearing this. Every day, we've got at least three, if not sometimes four, uh, brand new articles, brand new pieces of content, whether it's a scouting report, a story, uh, some sort of film breakdown. We've got stuff coming every single day. Yeah, and especially because we 
all of us have a little bit more free time on our hands right now, it seems. So um, if you want to, if you want to fill that time, head over there, read that stuff, um, turning out stuff day in and day out. It's real good stuff. But today, speaking of draft content, Ross and I um, both do wide receivers for our respective draft guides. And we're going to go through our top five receivers today for each of us. Now, Ross and I have not talked about or, or even shared who, who they are. Um, so some of this stuff, I, I hope we don't agree on everything, and I'm sure we won't, um, which is the beauty of the draft. But we're just going to go through it, and we're going to start backwards. So I'm going to give you my fifth. Ross, I'll let, you, I'll let you go with your fifth. If you want to drag me and tell me where I'm wrong, that is fine. Um, I'm here for that. Uh, one of the great things about the draft is uh, you can sit here, you can bang on your chest, you can tell somebody how wrong they are. Um, chances are we have no idea. <laughs> and that's not its not chances are, that's absolutely a fact. But um, these are guys that have stood out to us in this super, super deep receiver class. And when we're talking top five, this is a very, um, I would say, you know, this is the fourth year I've done this. So this is I mean, man, my fifth receiver in this class, there are probably some classes that you could talk wide receiver one for this guy in that class. Um, but I'll get us started. I'll get the ball rolling here. My fifth-ranked receiver um, in the 2020 draft class is Michael Pittman Jr. out of USC. Um, one thing I really like about Pittman Jr. Um, is going into watching him, I'm usually not a guy – that really falls in love with these big, massive receivers. And we talked, we actually talked about Pittman last week. That was your looks like a Packer type guy. And I agree with that. He absolutely looks like a Green Bay Packer. I feel really confident that he will be a Green Bay Packer if the chips fall correctly. But what I really like about Pittman Jr. is the dude just plays the position super well right now for a senior coming out. Um, the, my favorite thing about him is his ability to track the football. When that ball is in the air, I mean, he is a center fielder going to get the ball. He just doesn't miss on that stuff. And if you don't think that's important, go watch MVS last year. That's something that he's always kind of struggled with. You know, he's got all the speed, all the tools in the world, but he doesn't have whatever is in his brain to be able to track a ball like that. Some guys just have it. If you've ever played baseball, it's kind of one of those things. From, from, from being a little kid, there's just some kids – that are better at it. They can. They just track the ball better in the air. I don't know what it is, but Michael Pittman Jr. has that. He's my fifth-ranked receiver. Ross, who is yours? So my number five guy is a really popular name uh, as far as I have seen on the old uh, Internet Superhighway for the Green Bay Packers. People kind of hoping that he'll fall, and that's Justin Jefferson out of LSU. Just an incredibly productive wide receiver. Last year, uh, one of the more efficient wide receivers in college football last year. Certainly, I think, benefited from almost always having really accurate footballs thrown at him, uh, which is nice. But in a college season, to be up around 13.9 yards a catch uh, with 111 catches – now, granted, they played a full schedule, plus they played a college football playoff game, plus they played the national championship. So he, he does kind of have the right to have inflated numbers, as it is maybe opposed to other other guys. But he and uh, Jamar Chase, who I think will be wide receiver one next year, were just absolutely electric uh, for for Louisiana State in their uh, in their championship run under Coach Ed Orgeron, obviously getting to play with Joey Burrow. But 
just does things uh, extremely well, really before the catch point and after the catch point, uh, does an excellent job, I I think, breaking tackles for a guy his size. I think he understands pursuit angles really well and in the open field is is dangerous and, and understands how to erase those angles and understands kind of how to weave through traffic and pick up those extra yards. But really the, the short and the intermediate stuff from him uh, is, is, is awesome. He's a slant machine. He's bigger than Greg Jennings. I think he might remind some people a little bit of Greg Jennings. I love Justin Jefferson. And I have a question for you about him. Um, and I love Josh, Justin Jefferson, too. He's actually my fourth-ranked receiver, so you kind of hit everything on the head, but I do want to ask you a question about him. When you watch him at LSU, he predominantly played in the slot, and as coming into Green Bay, I think he's a really good fit, but do you think that's what he would do in Green Bay? Do you think Matt LaFleur would look at a guy like that and say, hey, you know what, you're a great slot receiver. You can do some damage there. We're just going to keep you there. Or do you think he'd, he'd want to play um, – He'd want they'd want to play him outside? I mean, he's 6'1", 200 pounds, and he runs a 4.43. So physical limitations are not – and he verts 37 and a half. He doesn't have physical limitations. Uh, maybe he doesn't understand press coverage, press man, or how to get out of that situation as well as a guy that played, you know, 55 snaps a game at the X. But he doesn't have athletic – limitations that would tell you, oh, he can't do this. Uh, it's quite the opposite. He has athletic traits that would tell you he's capable of doing whatever you want him to do. At the same time, though, Jake, it's, it's who cares? The, the slot position is a starting position just as much as nickel is now a starting position. So if you have a really good slot receiver, that's fine. It, I don't view that as this tremendous downgrade. Oh, well, he's slot. Okay, well, then he's on the field on almost every play. And you have your X, you have a slot, you have an ascending tight end, you have a running back who's a plus-plus running back as far as catching the ball. You've started to move yourself into a passing offense that makes a little sense personnel-wise. It it doesn't bother me either way, but I think he can do either. And frankly, I think Devontae is really nasty from the slot as well. Yeah, and I think both those guys, when you give them a two-way release like that from the slot, they're they're silly. And do you know what the difference is between uh, a receiver, so outside receiver, slot receiver, what's the difference between those guys if they both get 80 catches and 1,200 yards? Like, there isn't. You know what I mean? Production is production. So, uh, yeah, give me those guys. I think people get really bent out of shape and hung up on, well, who's going to play opposite of Devontae? Who's going to be that outside receiver opposite of Devontae? Um, doesn't matter always, you know, get, uh, Aaron Rodgers at this point in his career, he needs guys that are going to be getting open. And well, right, he, and, and that's the thing, right? So Justin, let's say Justin Jefferson is awesome, and maybe it takes until 2021, but let's say he's awesome and Sternberger is at least above average. Well, then you have at three spots above average or better where you had one of the worst t- starting tight ends in the league last year in Jimmy Graham. You had other guys, Geronimo Allison was probably the worst slot receiver in the league, starting slot, or, you know, the number three guy. You could get to a point where Valdez Scantling makes a, you know, kind of a leap. Send him vertical constantly. And and when he's not going vertical, then have Lazard run intermediate stuff at the Z. Uh, and, and you can really, I think, sure, you can tell me, well, if they see 83, they know it's going deep. 
okay, that doesn't mean the safety doesn't have to run with him because because he does, you know. So uh, the, the the important thing is to push guys kind of down the pecking order. And there were games when Marquez Valdez Scantling, as a sophomore receiver, as a, as a year two receiver, was your number one option. They won a game in Arrowhead where that was the case. Uh, if all of a sudden you're running your base personnel and you feel like Marquez Valdez-Scantling is the fifth option or maybe the fourth option, you, you've really improved your team. Absolutely. And I think if you go back and what I've done is go back since the game pass is free any, for anybody. Go back and watch the first three or four games of this season. Um, if you do that, my one of my biggest takeaways is how involved Marquez Valdez-Scantling was in those first three games and how much different he looked. Um, so I still have hope for him, but I think you're right. If you can, if he can be your fourth option, like that dude can run. Like you need to respect his speed. Get him on the field so people have to respect that. Um, and I think it was Westendorf and I were talking about this, but this Packers receiving group, like it can be, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be like boomer bust next year because they got a lot of talent there still. Like EQ coming back, I, I really like Equinamian St. Brown. Um, I think he has all the talent in the world. MBS has shown us in spurts that he can be really good. Alan Lazard is just going to be a year, you know, a year better. Throw in a couple of draft picks. You have, you know, what you have in Devontae. Jace could get better. Like this could actually be a very good pass catching group. Um, but there's a lot of ifs, a ton of ifs there. And I totally get that. Um, but yeah, Justin Jefferson, uh, that he's my fourth receiver. We've talked about him a bunch, so I won't talk about him very much anymore. But all in all, NCAA season. I kind of thought Justin Jefferson was like 90% of what Jerry Judy was. And then they came out and tested, and Jefferson actually blew him out of the water as far as testing. So um, that should say something right there. But, and I uh, tell you what, I don't mean to interrupt, but here's another odd thing. Go look at Judy's slot usage. And I don't see people constantly complaining about him. If you go and look at just straight up number of routes run from the slot by Jerry Judy, it's a ton. Yeah, no, the majority of his, if it, that's where he played. Um, and that's like a, a buddy of mine posed that question. He's like, how many? And it's not, but it's not the narrative. Which So I don't understand right. that. Why is that not the narrative? I don't know. I think I think because when you watch Judy, he looks, I think on tape he looks a lot more explosive than Jefferson does. Um, and he looks like he's got the quicker feet to be able to kind of beat press coverage and stuff. Uh, but the combine athletic testing certainly didn't say that. Uh, but, yeah, I, I get that argument. I had someone ask me, he's like, project Jerry Judy to the NFL, you know, a, a 6'1", sub-190 pretty much guy that runs predominantly out of the slot. How many of those guys have been successful? And the, the answer to that question is not very many. Uh, so uh, that, that's interesting. That's interesting to see, you know, is Judy going to be limited to the slot as well? Also a really good prospect in his own right. Uh, and we'll get. We'll, I'm sure both of us will talk about him here shortly. Um, but, Ross, who is your – so – you had Jefferson five. Who is four for you? That is my draft crush uh, for years now, LaVisca Chenault. Um, LaVisca is a guy that really blew up pro football focuses grading. His true sophomore year was one of the better players in all of college football that season, which I believe would be 2018, and just never got the credit, I think, because – uh, you know, the, not a ton of people were staying up for Pac-12 games, uh, specifically not for Colorado games. 
I don't know how many times he was on national TV, but ultimately he was very, very good. Now, he has dealt with injuries on multiple occasions, uh, not just last season, but when he's right and when he's going, man, he, he, he is everything that the, the Packers don't have right now. And that is a guy to run jets with. That is the guy to make guys miss. That's a guy to break tackles. He forced more missed tackles, I believe, last season in limited action than the entire Packers receiving core combined and just would bring something flat out that that Green Bay doesn't have. And I really think he could be a star. I I mean, a Pro Bowl-level guy. Uh, I, I mentioned kind of ad nauseum. I do really believe that there are four potentially Pro Bowl-level guys. And for the last two classes, I haven't said that about WR1. You know, uh, I, I didn't say that a season ago. I didn't say it uh, for Cortland Sutton the, the season before that. I, I just haven't really been that high. I didn't say it about DK last year or Cortland Sutton the year before. I just haven't been that high on – guys as I am as the four top guys in this class. And see, I think this is going to probably be our biggest uh, disagreement is because I, I you, you, and I'll give you credit, like you've, you've banged the LaVisca drum since last year. Um, and, I, I, and I don't want people to think I don't like LaVisca because I do. But when I watch him, the biggest, um, the biggest concern I have with him and in my, in my, um, in my profile for him, I think I have a line that says something like, to me, he looks like he's a chef in the kitchen that's just reading the instructions off the box. And what I mean by that is when you watch him run routes, I, you don't see head fakes. I don't see pressure steps. I don't see jab. I, I mean, nothing. Like, if he's running a slant, it's like, boom, I run seven yards, I turn left. And and that's what concerns me with him because everything you said about his his ability with the ball in his hand, like, Absolutely. You my the first thing you you notice about him is how big, powerful, and explosive he is on tape. I think he came into the combine a little bit heavy, um, and I think he's a better athlete than what he showed there. Uh, but just when you talk about nuance in his in his route running, it's not there yet, and that does not mean that he can't get there. And when you look at his sophomore tape, like you talked about, it's it's incredible. It's very good tape, um, and then some injuries hindered him, but. That's that's my concern is I tend to fall in love with guys that are coming into the NFL as you know, more nuanced route runners. Like think about like a Greg Jennings when he came out. You mentioned him already. He was a very good route runner from from you know Jump Street. Uh, Jefferson's the same way. I think you're going to see kind of throughout my list of top five guys. That is what I tend to kind of fall in love with. Um, so that's my biggest reservation with Lavisca is just. I just don't trust him as a route runner right now to be more than a gadget player his first couple years. And when you talk about having Aaron Rodgers, he's not getting any younger. How long is it going to take for LaVisca to be a legit uh, receiving option? Um, So that's my biggest concern with him. Um, So you got Jefferson, LaVisca. I've got Pittman, Jefferson. My third receiver is a guy that we mentioned already on here. Um, and it actually might surprise people that he's the third receiver. That's Jerry Judy. Um, he is a guy that did not do himself do himself any favors with his with his testing. His testing wasn't bad. It was not bad, but it wasn't good either. It was very average for a guy that's a very average sized guy. Um, but things that I really like about him, 
throwing all the combine stuff out of the, you know, out the window, his tape is real good. You know, you look at him, he is a guy that is just supremely um, quick. And when you talk about eating up cushion, you know, coming out of the slot, he gets on those corners toes in a hurry. Um, I love seeing this guy too. Like I, I love the way this guy runs his routes. We talk about sinking your hips, moving your head, just cutting effortly, effortlessly. Um, he's a legit deep, deep threat as well out of the slot. I, I think he can play on the outside. We talked about this already with Jefferson. I think both those guys can probably play either way, you know, wherever you want them. I think they're both advanced enough to do that. Um, I love the way he sells his inside moves too. Like that, this guy's a salesman. Like he's going to get you to think he's doing something, then boom, he's not. <laughs> you know, so he's a lot of fun to watch um, uh, in that offense at Alabama, in that loaded, loaded receiver room that Alabama has as well. Um, one thing that I really liked about him too is you watch Alabama. It's third and three, third and seven, whatever, whatever it is. They need to move the chains. Um, they were looking for Jerry Judy. Um, he just was the guy that would, would make plays happen when they absolutely needed him. So Jerry Judy is my third-ranked receiver in this draft class. Ross, who is yours? Mine, and I, I – so the ones I've given you guys are the ones from the Cheesehead TV draft guide, and I might have shifted this uh, with a little bit more time to think. But mine is Henry Ruggs. Uh, Ruggs is, you know, obviously uh, the author of the world's only – Disappointing four two seven in the uh, in the forty, uh, just because so many of us were hoping to see history that day. Uh, you and I obviously were together in Indianapolis and and watching that, waiting for him to potentially run the fastest forty of all time, and it didn't happen. Uh, not that a four two seven is slow; it is still absurd. And so, uh, Rugs is a guy though that. I, I think is, is pretty gifted. I like his release package. Uh, it's not quite Devontae Adams, but it's an impressive release package for a guy that kind of doesn't need one because he has uh, makeup speed. He can create, you know, uh, he can create separation later just based on raw athleticism and raw speed. Uh, and he does a great job at getting stacked. And as soon as he's stacked, it's, it's kind of over. Uh, you know, in Green Bay, they'd be playing the Todd Rundgren. And, uh, I just think he is going to be a top 15 pick. I think he's going to be successful. I think people might be a little bit down on him and unfairly compare him to John Ross because John Ross did run that 4-2-2 and then got drafted super high and kind of did nothing. But overall, Ruggs is, a, is, is just a, a much more complete, much more gifted player, I think, uh, than John Ross ever was. Yeah, no, 100%. John Ross was a fast dude that ran by people in college. Like, Henry Ruggs is a fast dude that is really good at playing receiver, and that's why he's actually my number two. He's my second-ranked receiver. Um, I think that surprises some people that I have him above Judy, but the way we do our scoring, it's it's a 100-base system. Um, 87.5 is the cutoff for a first-round player. Um, Jerry Judy is an 87.89, and Henry Ruggs is an 87.9. So the tags are touching here, um, and it's me being really nitpicky. And if I'm going to have a tiebreaker, it's going to go to the guy with the four-two speed. Um, one thing that I think is really interesting about Ruggs, too, that a lot of people don't talk about is this guy's got those big 10-inch hands. Like, the dude's got good hands. 
And a lot of times with these speed dudes, you get concerned because um, that's what they are, is they're track guys out there playing um, football. But that's what I get excited about Ruggs for is because he's a football guy that just has legit speed. Um, and, you know, there's NFL fast where it's like, yeah, okay, he runs a 4-3, you know, runs whatever. But then there's like Tyreek Hill fast. And Henry Ruggs is the, the closest thing to that that we've seen you know, since Tyreek came out. Um, so, and, and what I mean by that is you just watch him play. He just makes everyone else look like they're in slow motion. He's got whatever he needs to blow by you. Um, so I'm not really concerned with what his 40 time is because he's going to run faster than whoever's running next to him. Um, I think Deion Sanders used to call that next to you speed. He's got he's faster than whoever's next to him, and um, and that's why I really like Ruggs. I think he's going to develop even more as a a route runner as well, which he's not bad as a route runner right now either. Like I think a lot of people look at him as that speed guy and think that he can't run a full route tree. That's not true. He absolutely can. Um, and he's got, like, the little nuances to it, to his game, too. Like, his stutter and go is so, so lethal. And it's it's just something when you watch him, there's times you just chuckle because you're like, oh, my gosh, he set that guy up so badly. Um, he And he, he'll run by guys, too, that um, there are a few guys in this class that kind of have this speed. But it's like, man, he had a 12-yard cushion. Like, why – how did he – how? How did he run by this guy when his only responsibility was not to get beat deep? Um, so that that's why I really like Ruggs. So Ruggs is my second, um, and I'm guessing I could probably guess who your second is, but I'll let you talk. Yeah, my, my second guy is then Judy. Um, I, the more I think about it, I probably would flip him uh, just because he is so average athletically. And I want to be very clear. When I say average, I mean average. I don't mean he's not athletic. I don't mean he's below average. I truly mean average. He – He's about, you know, your average wide receiver. Well, you're going to take that kind of guy in the top 10, then I think there's a little bit of concern there. You want to take freaks in the top 10. With that said, though, um, he, he's great, gets stacked really early, uh, routes, best route runner in the class, I think. Uh, you know, CD does a good job, but I think Judy is the best route runner in the class. Football IQ, uh, consistently, what I love about him is the way – that if you get a really good wide receivers coach and they'll really teach you how to attack the blind spots, obviously wearing a helmet, there's parts, you know, you can't see when your, your head is turned. And if you can teach a receiver to really attack the defensive back and his blind spot and run away with him while he can't see him, that's a great way to create separation. And frankly, that's how a guy with RAS in the low sixes creates the separation that he is creating. I think he's a Calvin Ridley clone. Uh, Ridley was not a phenomenal athlete. He was not a great tester. It hurt his draft stock, I think. Ended up getting taken in the high teens. And I think you could see something like that happen to Judy just because of the way that this board might shake. And all of a sudden, if Jerry Judy is a 49er at 13, everybody in the league is going, how the hell did we let that happen? You know, that, that I think is something that, that could occur. Yeah, 100%. I think Judy's tape stacks up with anybody's in this class, including C.D. Land. So uh, he started out as wide receiver one for me. And and so, like, I I really, really like the guy. And when you say he's – like, he could be like a Calvin Ridley, that's a really, really good NFL receiver. You know, so um, I think he just was hyped up so much that when some of those athletic numbers came out and people started looking at him as maybe Calvin Ridley being his ceiling, people kind of cooled on him. 
Um, and that's just because there are other guys in this class like Ruggs and Lamb and Jefferson who seem to be just like rising and rising. But uh, that brings us to our – it looks like we're going to be in lockstep here for our number one receiver, as I think most people kind of have been now, now that Judy has not taken a step back. But maybe, you know, the big thing with Judy and Lamb used to be, well, you know, Judy's a better athlete. Judy's going to have that. You know, and Lamb's thing was, well, he's an alpha. You know, he's not the athlete, but he's a bully out there. And then he went out and tested about equally to Jerry Judy. So uh, then you start saying, well, it looks like Lamb then probably has more ways where he can win. And I think that's true. Uh, when you watch CD Lamb, I think he can beat you any which way he wants to. And he really is. You want to talk about alpha ball, alpha mentality, alpha dog mentality, balls in the air. Like, when that ball is in the air with CD Lamb, like, it is his. And he wants everybody to know that it's his, and he takes exception to anyone else thinking otherwise. And that's just with the ball in the air. And then, man, when he's got the ball in his hands, too, he just he seems angry, like someone made him mad. And he just he enjoys the physical part of the game, um, all for being a guy that's really he's not a huge guy. He's you know he's sub 200, um, but he plays much bigger than that. Uh, he, you know he fights through contact. Like you can go ahead and try to press this guy, and he he, he honestly didn't show um, having to beat press coverage that often in college because he kind of got you know he got the Big 12 treatment for a receiver, um, so he's not really having to go out there and beat press, but he has all the tools to do it. And the few times that he did, um, he just embarrassing guys out there. So Ross, um, pour, pour it on me about CD lamb. Yeah, you did a really good job. He's a fluid route runner. Uh, I, I think, you know, is a little bit smoother. Judy is so violent in the way that he runs routes. Lamb reminds me a little bit more of Amari Cooper, where everything just kind of seems like it's happening in slow motion, even though it's really not. Uh, smooth is just the, the word that comes to mind with him consistently. So smooth athletically. Uh, I don't know a ton about his release package just because nobody pressed Oklahoma because that seemed like suicide. And you don't see a ton of press man with, with OU. You saw a lot of dime. You saw a lot of 3-3 stack, uh, even some 2-4 stuff. Um, Baylor even, like, invented this weird 3-2 uh, anyway, the bottom line is you don't know a ton about how he'll do against NFL defenses with the press man technique. But other than that, um, you know, he's got adequate speed. Very, very good after the catch. Run, as you mentioned, runs angry. Um, they, they work the ball down the field, but also can do some of the Chenault stuff where you just get it to him in space. And he runs a guy over, he breaks a tackle, or he reverses field, or you know, just does something wild and crazy. And, and I got it. Like I said, I, I've been so impressed with him top to bottom. Uh, I think as odd as it sounds, I, I see a ton of Devonte Adams in his game and, and which might make you say, well, okay, get a different type of receiver to pair with Devonte. You, you would murder people with two Devontae's. Why? Why would you yeah. do that? Yeah. You know, so um, I, I really, really, really like lamb. As I've mentioned, I think he has all pro. Maybe if not all pro, I think he has Pro Bowl potential. And that's that's not a grade that I've given out in the last three classes. And and I just think he is that guy. Yeah, I, I agree with you there, um, CeeDee Lamb. If there was one guy, and it might have been even you that said this, Ross, if there's one guy that they could trade up for, especially on offense, I would love to see CeeDee Lamb in Green Bay. 
um, that's going to be pretty far-fetched. But before we go, Ross, I got one kind of quick question to spring on you here. Since we're talking about receivers, what is one name, one wide receiver that you really like that you just feel like is maybe not getting enough pub um, in this super deep class? Uh, I, you know, I think if you're talking about kind of a long uh, – if you're talking about a long shot guy where I am higher on them than, than most, I think that's probably either Tyler Johnson or Donovan Peoples Jones. I also really like John Hightower. Um, John Hightower honestly is a guy that in almost any other year, I would have been banging the table as like, okay, this is, this is a, this is a perfect second round pick. I really think that. I think in most draft classes, I would be banging the table for John Hightower in round two as like a Robbie Anderson clone. Yeah, that's actually in my draft profile. That's exactly what I a tweet that I had. I really like John Hightower as well. And people were upset. I released it the same day that Robbie Anderson signed somewhere else. And I was like, just go draft him. Uh, his name is John Hightower. Like, he plays at Boise State. Dude's a nine plus RAS guy. That's just this is actually exactly who I was going to talk about uh, for my guy. But you talk about him and and he runs that Boise too. He runs a lot of that jet stuff as well. He's good with the ball in his hands. Um, so he he's an interesting name to keep an eye on because he's he's very much. Um, I guarantee you he's on the Packers radar. But I'll pick another guy too because this this is just a really deep class and there's a lot of guys that I like a lot. And that's um, you talk about Lynn Bowden Jr. out of Kentucky. Um, he is a guy that is kind of in that Randall Cobb, uh, uh, you know, that same chapter of the same book where he played some quarterback at in college. But uh, he is a guy that I think that kind of stunted his growth a little bit. But when you talk about guys with the ball in their hands that are electric, that's Lynn Bowden. And if you don't remember correctly, he is the guy that punched a dude in the face <laughs> before his bowl game. And that actually doesn't bother me because if you hear the whole story behind it, you kind of get why, why why he did it. He talked about it on, uh, I think it was like stick to football or something. Basically, they were chirping at him all week, and he, his car had gotten broken into. Like a bunch of stuff had happened to him. And before the game, a guy came up and said one more thing. He just wasn't having it anymore. So, um, But that's the very first line I'm looking at here of my scouting report is competitive toughness. We look at him. He does not care where you play him the dude will play left tackle if you ask him to. And I, I really believe that. He just wants to win. And so, you know, he, he asked his coaches. He said, Coach, put me in put me in at quarterback. Like, let's get this done. And they did. Um, and so that, that's what happened. That's why he didn't play receiver his whole senior year. But uh, you're talking about a guy that could come into this Packers offense and also be someone that, um, that offers something that they don't have. Uh, that's Lynn Bowden. So I, I like him a lot. I like Hightower a lot. This is a very, very good wide receiver draft class, guys. So um, the Packers should come away with, at the very least, one guy that I think can contribute his rookie year. Um, I hope they double up in this class just because it's it's that good. I don't care where they do it. I honestly don't care if it was like their second and third round pick, um, depending on what they did in the first round. But um, it, it is that good of a class. So uh, a lot of stuff uh, moving forward. Ross and I will probably talk about receivers again at some point just because they really are that deep. I'm going through and looking at my top 30, and there's guys that I didn't even talk about today that I really like. Um, so uh, we'll get more of that stuff 
because I, uh, you know, if, if Twitter is any indication, people cannot get enough wide receiver talk. Even though they brought in Devin Funches, I'm sure their <laughs> their problems are solved at receiver. Uh, but we'll talk more about these draft class guys. Um, Ross and I will be back again next Tuesday. Uh, we'll be here every Tuesday until until the draft. So um, you guys keep it locked in right here. Thanks for joining us, and as always, go Pack Go. class athlete or a podcaster like me we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance that's why i'm excited that unified healing is sponsoring this podcast unified healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by energy enhancement system or ee system if you haven't heard of the ee system you'll want to listen up this technology promotes wellness deep relaxation purification and rejuvenation at hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health care provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new health care regimen, including EE system.